0: there we go well Joel, again this is buck benny speaking uh we are here to talk about in search of and i have my friend bob and my friend matt together and matt's first time back in it seems like a number of weeks so it's exciting i mean i've I've had uh what people email me where's matt and then i've gotten letters uh i had a Pony Express came and delivered uh, something that says that they missed Matt. And then I've had some Morse code sent my way. So a a pigeon arrived with a little thing and I unrolled it and said, where's Matt? Where's Matt? So Matt is back. And uh, and actually, most of them said, where's not Jim? But uh, it's the same thing as Matt. So it's it's all good. Uh, Anyway, so uh, today's episode is... Atlantis Um, and I was excited to see it was Atlantis Uh, but then much of the episode we were back to the things that supposedly the astronauts from other planets had come and left here but now it's the people from Atlantis have apparently left these things so uh, I guess it just depends on how you look at it so nice that they could use this footage the underwater footage of the the white uh, stone things again I think that's the seventh time we've seen with uh with at least four different explanations of why they're there (laughs) so anyway uh having gone there uh let's let's go over to matt since he hasn't been here in a while matt what did you think about the atlantis episode did anything stand out to you
1: well i i enjoyed this one because atlantis for my best friend and i growing up was, was kind of an obsession Mm-hmm. Of all the, of all the in search of things, you know, Bigfoot was pretty cool. Aliens were pretty cool, but, uh, Atlantis was, was probably the biggest kind of like mystery obsession thing that we had.
0: So Atlantis kind of rocked your world. That That's awesome.
1: So it was, yeah, I was, I was excited for this episode. It was, it was good. And yeah. <laughs> I thought that was funny The the, the uh, those say, those, some of that same footage just keeps recurring over and over again like you said, you've got the, yeah.
0: the mystery road or is it the top of a building or yep what have you but, and the and the Easter island stuff again you see those things uh, show up over and over again um, it's,
1: it's really that's, that one's that one's quite a bit of a stretch to try and tie that to the Atlantean civilization unless you're making like, uh, yes, sure worldwide that. underwater culture not just the ones. But, uh, yeah. I don't, I, they don't seem to mind a bit of logical stretching. So,
0: <laughs> <laughs> yeah. and uh, I do want
1: to say so, the, the biggest thing, the, the biggest thing I noticed in this episode is that they seem to have given up on any sort of healthy skepticism whatsoever. Because, like, the concluding line of this episode, Nimoy says something about, you know, it's, it's not. Speculation—it's history or something. Like, oh, they—they they really just kind of gave up on the healthy skepticism and leaned into, oh yeah, this definitely happened.
0: Right, and the, well, and the uh, I, I've heard recently, in uh, I will try and find it for this episode. I will, I will try before we play the episode. I'll play a little piece of Nimoy talking about in search of from decades and decades later this is this is probably just a year a few years before his passing that he's talking about in search of and uh and when he talks about it um it's just interesting to get his insights into how they filmed it how they do like five episodes at a time i think maybe at the very beginning he might have prompted them to to you know Maybe not push the, the the bounds as much, or maybe he had, he would said something to the effect of "Well, have got to make it seem like this is possible, but you know, not not to totally dive into it." But I think they realized he'll read whatever we put in front of him. So, <laughs> so at this point, they're just going, "Oh yeah, it's real, it's history, it's it's, it's what it is." Um, yeah, and so it's it's interesting to get his insights into it. Uh, Bob, what did you think of the episode?
2: Yeah, I liked it. I also, they're also still doing it. It's looking now, there's a, now they're using computer algorithms in like Google Maps. Like they're, they put in all the stuff that Plato said, you know, it's got an inner ring, an outer ring and a bay. They put that all into the computer and it's like p- picked out spots around the world that uh-huh. could try to meet the criteria. So right. they're still like looking for whatever this, you know, this place was even, even now. So it was interesting. And I think Santorini is one of them that closely fits the. I think they listed that in this episode. Mm-hmm. But I did, yeah, yes, they showed the Bibini wall again. It's It's
0: nice and cheap to reuse your footage over and over. <laughs> <laughs> Well, and and when they see like a diver in there with it, and you're you're going. I wonder if that guy gets paid every time he's shown on a, these different episodes. I doubt it. I think he got paid once and then never never does, again. Does this guy get residuals? Yes, exactly.
2: Yeah,
0: <laughs> he gets a check for eleven cents every time they reiterate.
2: <laughs> <laughs> so you don't, don't even know who he is. I don't. I don't
0: know if they. Li- I didn't check the credits to see if they listed them. Yeah, I don't. I doubt it. <laughs> <laughs> And then Nimoy's costumer, whoever puts together his outfits, is just great. What color turtleneck should we use this week? (laughs) And what jacket should we put him in? (laughs) There we go. All right. They got it. (laughs) But I I, I always think it's fun seeing Nimoy on camera each time. And and it's interesting now because now that I know they filmed like five of them in the same day, I'm like, okay, let me see if he's wearing the same outfit that he was wearing the other time or not, or whatever. I, but I don't know. They could have easily just had a, a box full of turtlenecks and, and a bunch of coats. And he could <laughs> change jackets and turtlenecks throughout the, as they're driving across the city so that so that it looks like they're filmed at different times. I don't know if they went to that efforts or not. We, we shall see. I'll, I'll kind of pay attention. Though I will say, his turtlenecks, he seems to wear that white turtleneck a whole lot. And that's what he had in this episode, so... Anyway, um, uh, I, I thought it was I thought it was interesting. I thought I learned more about it, Atlantis, which was cool. I, I didn't know I don't know that much about Atlantis, but I know a little bit. I know that uh, Aquaman lives there, um, <laughs> but, uh, and I don't understand why is it so hard to find something. Can't they just ask Aquaman in the next film where is Atlantis and he could like show us? But anyway, that's uh, besides. It's, the- that's secret. Yeah, it's secret. <laughs> Does Namor? Uh, over on over on the Marvel side, does he live in Atlantis? I don't think so. Is he uh, Matt? You know anything about if, if he's from Atlantis as well, or if it's just Aquaman?
1: I always assumed that he was, but I'm not.
0: I'm not not sure that they made it as explicit. See now, there's now there's a whole herd of geeks folks out there going. Oh my gosh, I can't believe that they don't know about Namor. He was from Atlantis, just, I don't know, but whatever. I just, I, he's not one of the characters that I'm I'm firmly- uh, just, I, I just
2: looked it up, it says Namor's birthplace is Atlantis.
0: Oh, okay. So so he and Aquaman must've been like stepbrothers or something. I, I don't know how that works. Uh, they should have a crossover with, with both of them in films and uh, no one will come but anyway
1: (laughs) it's like it's like the greeks and the romans had different names for the same god yes so maybe uh namor is just uh what's aquaman's uh
0: arthur arthur curry isn't it It or arthur something yeah
1: maybe maybe that's maybe that's just the dc name for
0: that guy could be well and certainly in the movie uh the the person they are portraying Uh, Aquaman looks more like Namor than he does like Aquaman, in my opinion. Uh, I always think of Aquaman as a blonde-haired, short-haired guy, but uh, this is long-haired, dark hair sort of thing. But anyway, uh, we're probably straying too far off the course, which never happens. It never happens here. Yeah, (laughs) we're
2: still talking about something vaguely
1: water-related,
0: right? (laughs) (laughs) That's right. Did I tell you I had a? I used to have a this boat and we were we were we were we we bought this boat for ten dollars and we put a motor on the back of it (laughs) and we were we were going in this little swamp and we hit a stump and it took off the whole back of the boat along with the motor and (laughs) so the boat sank and oh yeah it was it was quite the event but anyway that's my other water story i did not find atlantis as we sank in our boat though over there in the (laughs) swamp (laughs) anyway uh, onwards and upwards, uh, I, yeah, this was a enjoyable episode, it's not of the same video quality and sound quality that we've had recently, I, I had to listen carefully because it sort of is, is very bassy and uh, so I hope you guys can hear it okay and everything, um, turn up your treble, turn down your bass, um, uh, but uh, I, 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 I would assume they would cover Atlantis, but I didn't know and th- that they were going to cover it this soon. and. They just they just do a nice job. Every episode is interesting. Oh, the guy that they had that um, predicted all these things and and it predicted his own death and predicted the end of World War II and predicted all these. And one of the predictions was that we were going to find Atlantis in like sixty seven or sixty eight, I believe. Um, and they played it up like we found something there. I didn't quite get that part. Did you guys get? Did we find some? Is that where is that where they found the the white Things at the, I think so, yeah. I think they yeah. tied that
2: was Edgar, Edgar Casey, yeah, that, that made that prediction. But yeah, the, the Bimini wall, I guess they think is Atlantis.
0: Okay, and they found it around that time frame. I, I think that was what
2: you yeah, know that because I remember they threw in Antarctica at some point because it's got a land mass that so looks like it was further north, right? At one point, I think they threw that in there too. Maybe it was that, anyway, anyway
0: yeah. Anyway, interesting episode. Uh, Matt, anything else to throw in on on this episode that uh, stood out to you or anything? It's neat to know that this is one of those things that you were really into. I mean, it's it's just so cool revisiting this stuff from all of our childhoods and where we can go, oh, I remember this one. But um, anything else, Matt?
1: No, I'm I'm always looking forward to the next use of the – the underwater wall but, uh, <laughs> <laughs> but what, what it will be
0: evidence sometimes We can get it in somewhere. <laughs> what I what I really am looking forward to is when they do their Loch Ness episode and they get a picture of Loch Ness swimming over the wall thing that they kind <laughs> 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 of tie it in. <laughs> yeah anyway all right enjoy the episode uh we have and uh, we we are just enjoying going through all these old in search of they're a lot of fun and uh anytime you can spend a little bit of time with uh leonard nimoy and hear that wonderful voice it's always fun so enjoy
3: mysterious pinpoint in the Pacific Ocean called Easter Island, a gathering of stone giants guards the shore. No one knows who carved them, why they exist, or how the 50-ton monsters were put into place. Yet they're here, unexplainable gargantuan pieces in a baffling mystery. In the jungles of Central America, colossal stone heads were discovered 80 miles from where they were originally carved. Weighing 100 tons, there is no clue as to how they were transported through dense swamp. Nor do we know who moved them to this remote jungle. Long before the Egyptians built the pyramids, someone constructed a vast stone city atop a peak in the Andes. The ruins stand empty and silent. Each carving is a disconnected figure from the past, yet some common origin might join them together. The earth itself bears the portraits of still other giants scratched onto a plateau in California 10,000 years ago. Others were etched with precision into an English hillside long before the building of Stonehenge. The tools to carve and move the giants indicate an advanced technology. There is a place where the knowledge and skills to create the giants may be found, the kingdom of Atlantis. Never before have explorers been so close to finding Atlantis. Never have we possessed as many clues, nor have we been able to bring the detection equipment of modern science to the search, until now. The broken column may be all that remains of an entire civilization, blasted apart by an incredible explosion, Atlantis. This series presents information based in part on theory and conjecture. The producer's purpose is to suggest some possible explanations, but not necessarily the only ones, to the mysteries we will examine. There occurred violent earthquakes and floods, and in a single day and night of misfortune, the island of Atlantis disappeared in the depths of the sea. So wrote the Greek philosopher Plato in the year 421 BC. Since then, adventurers obsessed by the tale of Atlantis have searched for traces of the remains of the fabled kingdom. Atlantis was said to have been a great city-state, ruled by a race of men supposedly descended from the gods. Was it a real city, a wondrous land, or a myth, a tale created by someone's wild imagination. If Atlantis existed, it would have been a place where technology was far more advanced than anywhere else on Earth. To discover such a city, we may use as clues descriptions that can be found in the writings of the great Greek philosopher, Plato. At first, a small Greek island in the Aegean seemed an unlikely place to start the search for Plato had written of a great and wonderful empire. They had conquered almost all of Africa, he reported, and more than half of Europe. Such a kingdom hardly fits the image of a tiny island like Santorini. In 1966, however, the remains of an ancient building were dug from beneath 250 feet of ash and lava. Its broken walls signaled the first discovery of a great city. small villages cling to the Santorini mountainsides. But the island was once a large circular landmass. 3,500 years ago it was shattered by an incredible volcanic explosion. All that remains is a thin crescent of mountain and a sullen smoldering volcano that erupts at least twice a century. The volcano that destroyed the island Plato knew as Thera may also have hidden all evidence of Atlantis. In many ways, the ruins are like those found elsewhere in the Aegean, reminiscent of the Minoan civilization. Then, reading Plato and viewing the broken walls and shattered pots, a sudden, chilling discovery is made. These ruins fit Plato's description of Atlantis with an uncanny accuracy. They constructed buildings about them and planted suitable trees, wrote Plato. Whatever fragrant things there now are in the earth or woods or essences which distill from fruit and flower grew and thrived in that land. They had such an amount of wealth as was never possessed by kings and potentates and is not likely ever to be again. The entire area was densely crowded and kept up a multitudinous sound of human voices, of din and clatter of all sorts, night and day. There were the king's baths and there were separate baths for women. And to each of them they gave as much adornment as possible. There were many temples built and dedicated to the gods also gardens and places of exercise. Plato tells us the citizens of Atlantis were skilled engineers, astronomers, and architects. He describes buildings and tools. And time after time, we see in the ruins of Santorini the almost eyewitness accuracy of his account. The clockwork gears fished from the Aegean Sea are part of an ancient computer. It was used to plot the course of the planets and stars across the skies of Greece. The first modern computer was built in 1930, yet these gears were fashioned 2,000 years earlier. Based on a highly advanced understanding of physics, mathematics, and astronomy, there's nothing else like it in classical Greek technology but it may have derived its origin from Plato's Atlantis. The ruins on Santorini match Plato's description, but one piece of the puzzle refuses to fall into place. Despite the opinion of some experts that here indeed are the remains of Atlantis, Plato himself seems to suggest it lies elsewhere. We must search, he tells us, beyond the Pillars of Hercules. The Pillars of Hercules are today known as the Rock of Gibraltar. Therefore, Santorini, an island in the Aegean east of Gibraltar, could not be Atlantis. It must lie to the west, in the Atlantic Ocean. In a moment, we shall continue our search for Atlantis, beneath the oceans, thousands of miles from Plato's ancient Greece. The geography of the earth is not constant. Dry land was once covered by ocean. What is now seabed was once mountain and forest. The Atlantic Ocean that now separates the Americas from Europe and Africa is so familiar, it's hard to imagine a time when it was not always there. But once a great landmass stretched over what is now the Atlantic Ocean, bridging the Mediterranean and the Caribbean. Beneath the surface of both of those seas are the broken remains of ancient cities. They may represent the eastern and western ports of Atlantis. The search for the eastern border of Atlantis begins just beyond Gibraltar in the Spanish city of Cadiz. Once a Phoenician port, Cadiz is among the oldest cities in Europe. Here, Dr. Maxine Asher of the Ancient Mediterranean Research Association, met Spanish diver Francisco Salazar Casero. Two and a half miles offshore, and 95 feet deep on the continental shelf, Casero found an ancient amphora. It had lain among the ruins of a city older, he said, than any of the Greek and Phoenician remains in the area. And here, the mystery of Atlantis is complicated by the modern world. According to Dr. Asher, the Spanish government revoked their permission to dive at the site. Spanish politics, she says, have prevented further underwater exploration of Cadiz. Although halted, the Asher expedition produced a significant find. It indicates that the east coast of Atlantis might have been precisely where Plato had placed it. As he said beyond the pillars of Hercules. There is other evidence to support Plato's description of an island that was greater than Africa and Asia together. Ancient maps have led geographers to explore the possibility that the Antarctic slowly drifted south in the wake of a massive upheaval. We know that once it was part of a much larger landmass. The western edge of that land may lie here, beneath the crystal waters of the Caribbean. The actual discovery, however, is no more astonishing than the man who predicted its very existence. These strange blocks were first seen in a vision by the most remarkable mystic of all time. Edgar Casey Edgar Casey was known as the Sleeping Prophet. Hundreds of astonishingly accurate predictions are catalogued in the archives of the foundation which bears his name. In 1939, Edgar Casey predicted the end of World War II and his own death. Both events, he said, would take place in 1945. He was right. He foresaw the freedom of India from England, the death of John Kennedy, and a number of geological changes that are still to take place. Edgar Cayce's most remarkable prophecy, however, concerns a lost kingdom. Geological upheavals, he said, would bring about the rediscovery of Atlantis. Cayce saw Atlantis breaking up into five islands, the largest he called Poseidia, and Prosadia will be among the first portions of Atlantis to rise again, expected in 68 or 69. That prediction was made in 1940. In 1967, a pilot flying over the Bahamas sighted a rectangular structure beneath the crystal clear waters. It was precisely where Casey had said Atlantis would be. Under the slime of ages of seawater, near what is known as Bimini, off the coast of Florida. And here they lie. Huge white blocks, chiseled with incredible precision, and covering a large area of ocean bottom. No one knows how they got here, 35 feet beneath the sea, off the coast of Bimini. But here they are found. Two possible explanations exist. One, the stones are the remains of a network of paved roads. Two, they are the tops of huge stone walls that once enclosed the palaces of Atlantis. Author Peter Tompkins filmed the work of an expedition that hoped to locate Atlantis using clues from Casey's writings. Aboard were Count Pinotirola, An Italian archaeologist, underwater explorer Dmitry Rebikov, and archaeologist Dr. David Zink. This expedition was to produce one of the most startling finds ever made in the search for Atlantis. Beyond the giant blocks, the divers discovered the remains of several ships. One had gone down in the year 1830. Beneath it lay the fragments of still another ship. One that had sailed the seas more than 3,000 years ago. Not a ship of Atlantis, certainly, but according to Yale's Dr. J. Manson Valentine, a voyager from Phoenicia. The Phoenicians were the greatest sea traders of ancient times. Their ships called at every port in the known world. Could it be that Phoenician traders came more than 5,000 miles from the site of classical Mediterranean civilization to deal with a rich and fabled kingdom? The question posed by the wrecks and the blocks of the Bimini wall remained unanswered as the expedition continued to explore the waters off Bimini. South of the wall Pino Tirola, a leading underwater explorer, discovered four marble columns. At first, it was thought they were bits of ballast from a wrecked ship. After days of diving and investigation, Tirola developed a different theory. He believed that the columns could be 12,000 years old, actual relics of a center constructed in stone and marble. There are more tests to be made geologic dating of these and the expedition's other finds could confirm the explorer's theory that here is atlantis here is the fabled world here ships may have visited a crowded port here marketplaces may have been filled with the multitudinous sound of human voices that plato told us about The din and clatter of all sorts, night and day. The broken columns may be all that remains of an entire civilization blasted apart by an incredible explosion. In every one of the sites we have investigated, there are artifacts of a remarkable civilization. But nowhere can we find the remains of the people who once lived in Atlantis. Plato may have explained it when he said the people of Atlantis were warned of impending disaster and they fled. No one has ever investigated this aspect of Plato's account, but if it is correct, The clues to where the Atlanteans went next may be contained in the giant megaliths that guard the lonely outposts of the world. At Easter Island, atop the Andes at Tiahuanaco, in the jungles of Central America at La Venta, we can find the final clues to the mystery. These monoliths may tell us where the refugees the engineers, astronomers, and architects fled, carrying the technology and culture of Atlantis. If so, we can begin to understand why the great cultures of the past bear such striking similarities. Egypt, one of the greatest of ancient civilizations, is symbolized by its pyramids. So, too, does the pyramid mark the ruins of this highly advanced Mayan society. similarities. The Egyptian temple of Amen-Ra at Karnak is aligned with the sun. Only at the time of the summer solstice, the sun strikes the central chamber of the temple, known to the ancient Egyptians as the High Room of the Sun. 8,000 miles away, in the remote peaks of the Andes, the Inca marked the seasonal solstices with this monument using almost the same words as the egyptians they called it the hitching post of the sun perhaps the most remarkable record of the exodus from atlantis is preserved in the 1500 year old pottery of a peruvian tribe called the mochica in their vases and utensils they depicted orientals and negroes arabs indians egyptians and greeks people who might have been known to each other in Atlantis. In the stones and bones of the past, we've made a startling discovery. There's a common origin for many widely dispersed ancient civilizations. In the tombs of Peru, we see similarities with other cultures, with the Mayans, with the Egyptians. In the development of mathematics and astronomy, we see links that may reach back to a common origin in Atlantis. And most startling of all is the shared belief in eternal life. In fragrant linen, buried amidst the treasures of their world, they seek the hereafter, guided by their ancestral traditions. Perhaps their ancestors were the people of Atlantis. We have attempted to piece together the jigsaw puzzle of history that has been scattered by disaster. In so doing, we've found what may be the only remaining traces of the lost kingdom of Atlantis. Of one thing we can be certain, the memory of Atlantis is no myth, it is history. The tale of Atlantis was first told by the priests of Egypt to a Greek poet named Solon. They assured him that the original archive containing the tale of Atlantis still existed. That was 3,000 years ago. In one of his last prophecies, Edgar Cayce said that the archives of Atlantis would one day be revealed in Egypt. Soon, a new expedition will begin the re-exploration of the pyramids of Egypt searching among the hieroglyphs and tomb paintings for the absolute proof that once, back before the beginnings of history, a marvelously advanced civilization of human beings once ruled the earth from an island continent called Atlantis.